Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Good day, everyone. Happy Monday to all of you. And I'm glad to have you here. I trust that by God's grace, you and your family are doing well. And I am excited to be live for the first time in a while. I am excited to bring you this teaching. About a year ago, I did a live stream about the growing normalization of witchcraft. Uh, You can go check that out from um, December 2021. And then in June of 2022, I did an extended interview with Dr. Carl Payne about casting out demons. And since then, I've had a lot of requests for more content on supernatural themes. It seems like there is a need for thoughtful, well-reasoned, biblically-informed conversations about spiritual warfare. People want to know more. They know we live in crazy times, but they just aren't really sure how to think about things. And they're concerned about going down some crazy, unbiblical path. So I have been working on putting together this teaching for you. I have a couple other ideas for teachings um, later in the year that I'll be doing as well along these lines. But today I'm going to share 10 ways that people can open up doors to demonic harassment. Now, it's probably very obvious to all of you that we live in an age where uh, witchcraft and demonic practices are, are just really happening all around us. If you, if you just look Um, and unfortunately I also find that um, Christians in the West uh, can sometimes have a tendency to operate and think like functional naturalists. They they might know the devil is real because the Bible tells them that, and, and they'll quote to you Ephesians 6.11, you know, put on the full armor of God. But I find that many Christians aren't really aware of what the most common schemes are that the devil likes to use in our everyday lives, what he's wanting to invite us into, invite our kids into. And uh, I think that, you know, we should be aware. Um, You know, we don't have to be obsessive about it, but we also don't necessarily want to be completely ignorant about um, the types of schemes that he likes to use. In fact, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we should not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. So I don't think it's God's plan for us to be ignorant. Um, So I hope to shed some light in the teaching today on some of very specific issues that uh, come up time and time again of the devil's common schemes to harass people and trap us into bondage. You know, one thing I've noticed is that people who have deconstructed away from Christianity, as well as those who often grow up with very little religious affiliation, are often among those who are most likely to engage in New Age or occultic practices. Um, I, I have a little theory about this. I think that uh, uh, one component to 
uh, humans being created in the image of God is that we are prone to want to engage in spiritual things. I think that God designed us from the beginning to worship. And when we turn away from God's instructions about how to worship the correct God correctly, then it's very easy to become entangled with all sorts of errors. And consequently, sometimes unintentionally, end up opening ourselves up to harassment from demons. And so this is why I want to take time to explain the 10 most common ways that I see that people do this. And these ways are not going to be ranked in any particular order, nor is the list exhaustively complete, but this is a list compiled based on my ministry experience, as well as the inventory that I did um, by other experts in the field who have worked in this realm of ministry for many decades. And what I noticed is the list that I came up with on my own first. And then when I went out to kind of check my work, if you will, my list and the lists that were out there all converged usually around the same issues. There's a general consensus on this issue from Christians who work in this field, especially over long periods of time. So we're going to talk first about what do I mean by demonic harassment? And what do I mean by when that people can open themselves up? What's an open door to that? So I want you to imagine that you are a wicked person. Okay. You're a wicked person. You're not yourself. You're a wicked person. And you're walking down the street and you see a very nice home where the windows and the doors are all wide open. That's kind of an invitation to come in, maybe even move in like a squatter. You know, uh, Monique's told me that squatting in, in houses is actually a real problem sometimes in South Africa. Um, and sometimes people might even go in and squat in a house and start living there if the people are away on a very long vacation or holiday. But once a squatter has moved in, in fact, there's even like squatters rights and squatters laws. You have to take pretty active measures to throw squatters out. You know, you, you might first have to go through a whole process and go to court and get an eviction letter and, and then maybe get law enforcement involved. It could be a whole thing. Okay. So there has to be some intention and some action in order to throw these squatters out. So let me apply this a little analogy to the issue of demonic harassment. When people participate in certain practices, it can give demons an invitation, sometimes casually, to just sort of hang out with us more, send us harmful messages, um, send us messages that are lies. We're going to look at some of those in a few minutes. Send us destructive messages, bring chaos into our lives. Um, Often people just want to, to be in this sharp paradigm of oppression versus possession. Um, I, I don't actually think that framework is helpful uh, to see it as such sharp contrast. I think it's much more of a spectrum issue and that demons can interact with us in the beginning um, just in a more casual way as we are dabbling in things they begin to harass us. And as we continue to habitually 
dabble in those things and practice those things, it can become, um, they can become more and more harassing to the point of, if we don't have Christ living in us, they can become extremely controlling. So demons hang out where they are given access and they do by and large, not leave us alone until they are intentionally chased away, similar to an eviction. So one more caveat I want to say here really quick is that I am not going to talk tonight in this discussion about active decisions that a person makes um, that like through family situations, things that happen that are beyond our individual control. I'm only focusing on the 10 things that I think that people engage in for themselves. I'm not talking about family practices or what other people do or anything of that nature. That might be a topic for a different time. So with that, here we go. Number one is the use of occult objects and divination. That is the first way that people open themselves up to demonic harassment. This is obviously the most obvious way that this can happen. And divination practices include such things as using Ouija boards, which are widely available even in toy shops, game shops, tarot cards, consulting psychics, astrology. Divination is basically when a person tries to contact the spirit realm to get information, to interact with the spirit realm, uh, maybe try to get information about the future or other people or a situation. The occult can also involve witchcraft and spell casting. Now I covered that issue in some detail in the stream I did about a year ago, the normalization of witchcraft. So go back and watch that uh, for more details on this particular issue. But a, a shorthand way of thinking about witchcraft is that it involves trying to control or manipulate the will of others to control outcomes or situations. And you know, quite honestly, these practices are so mainstream now. You can buy occult items uh, and books on the occult and, and divination simply by going to your local Barnes and Noble. Um, I had some pictures planned, but they didn't quite work out. But somebody snapped some pictures uh, yesterday and had them posted on Facebook, and they were in my feed. And they just went to their local Barnes and Noble, and they were stunned at how much content there was prominently on display related to witchcraft and the occult spell casting tarot cards like tarot cards are sometimes now i'm seeing them as impulse buys by the cash register i mean this stuff is becoming so normalized and they're even trying to disguise it i'm starting to see even as christian items um i'm gonna have bob put on the screen here uh, something from Amazon called a Holy Spirit board. This is basically a Ouija board in Jesus' name. This doesn't work. And what's so sad to me about this is if I'm going to have Bob scroll down here to the description, because in the description, it says something to the effect, get all the answers you need. The Holy Spirit board can answer all of life's 
most important questions straight from the man himself. I'm not sure what man that is, but I know that's not the real Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, perfect for churches, prayer groups, or just getting together with friends. And unlike other spirit, spirit boards, in other words, Ouija boards, this one will never contact evil ghosts or demon so that you, and you can get your questions with an assured sense of safety. Does that assure you friends? It shouldn't. This is a Ouija board trying to pose as a Christian object. Run away. Instruct your children about these things. Have a conversation. You cannot use a Ouija board to interact with the real Holy Spirit. Engaging in occultic activity also includes things like contacting the dead. We used to call this necromancy, using mediums. Don't do that. No matter how much you miss your mother, please, I'm begging you, do not do that. Please encourage your children not to do that. Please also have a conversation with your children, your teenagers, about not engaging in astral projection. This is a, a trend that is growing in popularity among teenagers. This activity is dangerous. It is not for play, and it will demonize your soul. It will be a, you might as well be standing on the corner waving flags next to the open house in um, inviting demons to come in. You do not want to engage in astral projection. I know that checking your horoscope is becoming increasingly popular. Celestial movements have nothing to do with controlling your life, making it better or worse. If you have been entrapped in thinking that horoscopes are a neutral thing, I want to admonish you gently uh, to turn away from that because uh, that is a form of divination. And I, I get the appeal of these activities. I mean, sometimes they can make us feel very powerful. You can feel like you have special insight into the spirit realm. But what is really happening behind the scenes is that you're giving the enemy permission to harass you and to potentially even harm you. And that would be very sad. So please talk to your kids about these things and make sure that they know what they are, what they look like, and how to say no to them. Number two, the second way that people open themselves up for demonic harassment is partic participating in religious practices outside of historic Christianity. This is a very uh, common open door to demonic harassment, and this happens when people begin to participate in alternative religious systems, this can include Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, indigenous practices such as shamanism, or even when people engage in, in participate in highly, I'm going to call them legalistic spin-offs of historic Christianity, such as the Jehovah's Witnesses um, and that sort of a thing. According to the Apostle Paul, participating in religious rituals of other religions is to engage in ceremonies with demons. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, that when pagans sacrifice, 
they are doing so to demons, not to God. And Paul says very clearly, I do not want you to participate with demons. When we participate in other religious practices, we are giving demons permission to harass us. We have to be watchful for these issues because they can even turn up in some unlikely places. Recently, I was talking to a friend who was in conversation with a potential therapist. And one of the therapist's treatment modalities was helping her clients find their spirit animal. And when my friend inquired about the purpose of this exercise, the therapist said, you know, the spirit animal would help to offer wisdom and facilitate healing. This is not a good idea. Um, talking to spirit animals is really just talking to demons. If I'm honest, I don't even like using the phrase spirit animal in casual conversation because I feel like it's normalizing an idea that is connected to uh, practices related to shamanism. Um, I'm also including in these alternative religious practices, anything under the umbrella of the new age. This includes energy healing practices such as Reiki or crystal healing, consulting angels for healing, any activity designed to open your chakras, even if you are doing it through yoga or essential oils, um, do not engage in practices of opening your chakras. Even if you think, or someone tells you, well, you can do it in a modified way and just open yourself up to the Holy spirit. That doesn't work. You are inviting demons to harass you. Even if you think you are only interacting with the Holy Spirit by doing Reiki, you are opening yourself up to the demonic. So please don't do that. Darkness and light have no place being mixed up together. Now, this might also be something to think about is maybe, um, you know, items that you've brought into your home that were part of alternative religious practices, things like Ouija boards or tarot cards, uh, issues related to, or items related to indigenous shamanism, like dream catchers. Uh, these just having these items in your possession and in your home sometimes can be seen by demons as an invitation to harass you. You might think it's a pretty decorative item, but Sometimes, and I've seen many instances in ministry where uh, people have these items in their home and it can be seen by demons as a permission to harass you or your children. Usually that shows up in chronic nightmares. Um, so just, you know, I'm not trying to make you like overly vigilant here, but maybe just ask the Holy Spirit to redeem, to reveal anything to you. that might be a problematic item in your home. And if he tells you or highlights something for you, just, just repent and God's forgiveness is there for you. Remove it from your property. See if things improve and um, that sort of a thing. I've, I've seen uh, great fruit from that. Okay. This brings up a third way that people open themselves up to demonic harassment. And that is through recreational drug use. As more and more states are decriminalizing recreational drug use, 
and more people start experimenting with these drugs, I think that we're going to see um, an increasing amount of people who are opening themselves up to demonic harassment through these drugs. This really came to my awareness when I started interacting with people in the homeless community. Uh, they would regularly bring up their encounters with the demonic. They didn't have any hesitation at all um, affirming the reality of demons, the, the harassment of demons that they experienced when they were living on the streets. And drug use was almost always a major factor in them having also having demonic experiences. Uh, demons can also sometimes use drugs to show people the spirit realm. Uh, this is especially true through the use of hallucinogenic drugs. It's not uncommon for people, if they start using hallucinogenic drugs, uh, to start having confused or, or paranoid thinking as a result of drugs. And when you hear people start describing kind of esoteric insights they're having about the nature of reality or visions of fractals in the spirit realm, it's quite possible that they have been experimenting with drugs and that it's also quite possible that demons have already started affecting or distorting your thinking. Um, so there's even... Um, and some of you might be aware of this is a growing trend of taking vacations actually to certain countries in order to experience hallucinogenic drugs. And I have no doubt that people are experiencing and having experiences in the spirit realm as a result of these hallucinogenic um, trips. The question is, is, are they experiencing the Holy Spirit? Uh, this is just one example. This is from Twitter. This is a famous football player. And uh, I'm going to have Bob put this up on the screen here. There it is. I plays for the Packers. And um, he took uh, one of these hallucinogenic uh, vacations. And now he always sees this shadow person. Uh, the hat man uh, who has accompanied him as a result of these drug trips that he was on. These are not uncommon reports that happened. And, and experimenting with drugs, especially hallucinogenic drugs, it is a very common open door to giving demons permission to harass people. All right, number four uh, is out of wedlock sex, including engaging in LGBT lifestyle, porn use, or any other out, out of wedlock sex. That could even be adultery, fornication, any out of wedlock sex, okay? And I think that this is probably one of the most common ways that people open themselves up to demonic harassment. Um, you know, obviously God's commandment is that sex is designed for the context of one man, one woman in marriage. And that is considered so passe these days. Um, you know, we lived through the, the sexual revolution of the 1960s. Now we're living in kind of the sexual revolution 2.0, where literally everything goes 
open marriage, hookup culture, porn, gay sex, trans sex, whatever pleases you and makes you happy. Um, our children are being enculturated this way. And I think that the, the long-term effect of this is going to be that we have a lot of people being harassed by demons. And I think that what few people stop to consider is that this kind of a permission uh, that people can give over in their lives, it can, it can, it can damage us. Um, it can damage our current marriage, our future marriage. It can inflict trauma on us. It can open us up for all manner of mental harassment. I've uh, worked with many people that have just unending um, feelings of, of guilt for mistakes that have happened and that sort of a thing. And they're unable to like walk in forgiveness. Once they come to faith in Christ, it really creates a mess. And, uh, this is one of the reasons why I've been so vocal on my channel about informing parents about Planned Parenthood's agenda to bring comprehensive sexuality education into public schools, introducing these concepts, um, earlier and earlier. I think this is introducing, if I look at it from a spiritual perspective, I think that comprehensive sexuality education is introducing children to demonic harassment through all of this kind of normalization of deviancy. Um, if you want to know more about what comprehensive sexuality education is, go watch the last third of my podcast called education mega episode where we show you right on the screen some of the public school standards that are in all the states i also think possibly another unpopular opinion i also think that these quote-unquote family-friendly drag queen shows that are growing in popularity these are also a big problem um james Lindsay on twitter i've seen him call them groomer clown shows um, I think that these events can be used by demons to desensitize children to sexual perversion and in turn desensitize them to the demonic and demons do harass children. And this is a hard thought. Um, and I recognize that, but usually, um, when demons start harassing children, it looks like nightmares. It looks like seeing shadow people. Uh, and that sort of thing. So I say I'm of the mindset, be diligent to protect your children. Number five is engaging in UFO curiosity. Um, this one I think is one that uh, some people just aren't aware of, but we need to be because this is especially common among teenage boys, not exclusive to boys, but in my experience, more common with boys. Now, many people don't make an immediate connection between UFOs and the demonic, but in my ministry experience, and, and again, I consulted a wide variety of, of lists um, when it comes to this sort of thing, and this one made a lot of the lists. Um, this is not an uncommon scheme of the enemy to really wreck people's lives. 
and without falling into complicated conspiracy theories, I can kind of briefly summarize the best research on UFOs this way. Um, the overwhelming majority of UFO sightings have a natural explanation, such as college pranksters, weather balloons, super secret government test fights, and that sort of thing. But there is a small percentage of credible UFO sightings that cannot be explained simply through natural causes. And these sightings often defy the laws of physics. Uh, they can be seen by multiple credible witnesses, people in the military, people in law enforcement, people that are um, not mentally ill or um, on some kind of hallucinogenic drugs. And the UFO encounters that people have, usually, again, they defy the laws of physics, and but they there is credible, I think enough credible evidence that these things also uh, defy the laws of physics and are come from another dimension and there so there's that's i think the um ufos uh close encounters of the third kind is like seeing them there are some people who have experiences that go beyond just seeing a ufo these people make the additional claim that ufo occupants or alien entities have contacted them either through direct or personal contact. And this is, oh, this is what is called a close encounter of the third kind. And despite Hollywood portrayals of romanticizing close encounters, these are often deeply occultish experiences. Um, they often contain situations where the contactee is engaging in um, channeling and telepathy, tele kind of telepathic messages between themselves and the aliens, um, revelations being given to them, and special knowledge, esoteric knowledge, and that sort of thing. Um, they can even, there's even been reports, I think credible reports of levitation and that sort of thing. It, this is a version of alternative uh, spirituality, but I think it's worth mentioning on its own. What concerns me is that many of these people, after they have these UFO experiences of either the contactee experiences or the UFO sightings, they can experience long-term effects and trauma. Things, anything from recurring nightmares night terror, sleep paralysis. Um, other people can have reported, you know, long-term emotional, psychological instabilities, hallucinations, seeing shadow people, manifest, manifest evil, and that sort of thing. And this, this concerns me because there's a certain romantic, romanticization that we have in our, our culture about aliens. Um, and I think we'd be good to rem be reminded of Second Corinthians 11 and Paul's words of how um, the messenger of darkness often masquerades as an angel of light. Now, not every UFO experience goes to these extremes, but 
here's what I see is um, and not an uncommon scenario is that a teenage boy has curiosity about these issues. Science fiction is everywhere. And so they might buy a comic book or a, a novel about UFOs. And these can be innocent in the beginning of just innocent curiosity. But then they start to become increasingly curious because that's what children do. They read one book or read a comic book and that's interesting. Well, what else is out there? And these days kids have such open access to, to content. They might go on YouTube and start watching videos related to UFOs and then contactee experiences and maybe engaging in, you know, reading more books and, and sometimes parents aren't even, even aware of what's happening, but these actions can, what starts out in the beginning as being innocent curiosity can quickly become an on-ramp into darker things. And I've seen this happen so many times where then the teenage boy is starting to experience nightmares, great anxiety, disorganized thinking, and this sort of a thing. It is, it can lead to deeper personal problems. So that's something to, to be aware of. Okay. With that, let's talk about number six. And this is right on the heels of the UFOs and UFO content is habitual engagement with dark content. Now this can include many forms, including social media, obviously books, music, TV shows, movies, video games, board games, um, dark content. I know it's kind of a, a general umbrella, but I think um, including here things that include regular engagement with gore, violence, horror, um, even like spell casting in some cases. Um, I interacted with one teenage gal who had started watching horror movies with her friends as well as ghost hunting shows. So after she started watching horror movies and that sort of evolved into, well, now she's watching these ghost hunting shows. And then she started having paranormal experiences around her house. And she was completely spooked out by this. And um, her mom reached out to me and she and I had a little conversation and some prayer together and walked her through some steps. But it was really like such a wake up call to me to see that we have a tendency to think, well, it's just a TV show or it's just a movie or it's just music. But these things are not always just merely harmless entertainment. They can, for some people, become on-ramps into consuming on a regular basis, darker and darker content. And if we think that that has no effect on a person's soul, you know, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. Like that stuff has an impact just as listening to worship music on a regular basis has an impact in your perspective. Uh, video games can be a very popular on-ramp to dark content. So you think you're playing this game 
And then you might get into more and more darker games and gore and violence. And, you know, what starts off innocent, I've had so many parents write to me and say, well, my son, you know, started out playing Minecraft and then got curious about other games. And that became an, an on-ramp and evolved into the, the boy exploring darker games or um, watching people on YouTube play darker games. I don't know if any of you are aware of this, but you could actually watch on YouTube and Twitch. You could watch other people play games and the death and horror through that. So even if your kid isn't playing those games, they can watch other people play them. I, I've just, I've had so many letters from parents about this chain reaction. Um, anime is another similar example. It can start innocently for younger kids, but over time it can, it can, in some cases, what starts off innocently, children want to explore other anime content. And there are streams of anime content that uh, are definitely have darker themes, including porn um, and violence and supernatural elements. I am somewhat shocked at times as to how often even Christian parents allow their children to be unsupervised in their rooms on computers, iPads, televisions. Um, I, and they, parents think they've got blockers. They think they're doing things, but kids will find a way. And, um, for some of them, it can even, you know, devolve into an addiction. So there's definitely some things that we have to do as parents to try to help stave off these things. Um, and then, you know, we wonder why, our kids are struggling with nightmares and other emotional and behavioral problems in some cases, not all, but in some cases, if they've been engaging with a steady diet of darker content, that can be an open door to a permission or a harassment from the demonic realm. And so it, uh, it is definitely something to be aware of. All right. That brings us to number seven, and that is engaging in paranormal activities and games. This is another common on-ramp to the demonic, especially for teenagers getting involved with paranormal activities. There is a seductive pull of curiosity to explore the power of the spirit realm. And I don't know why, but this often happens at fifth grade girls' slumber parties. Um, common examples of paranormal things can be um, watching horror movies, paranormal television shows, ghost hunting shows, reading or retelling paranormal stories, um, attending paranormal tours. Sometimes when Monique and I travel, we see signs for these of like, come on this tour of this haunted mansion. I'm like, Oh uh, no, I don't, I don't think I, I belong over there. I don't think I'm, I don't want to be interacting with the spirit realm. Um, even, uh, again, engaging in astral projection, middle schoolers 
upper upper grades, upper elementary, uh, they're very curious about the spirit realm. And because of the growing um, practices and normalization of witchcraft, paranormal things that seem innocent, like fifth grade girls slumber parties, why are we trying to do levitation? Like, why are we using Ouija boards? Why are we trying to look for Bloody Mary in the mirror? These are not things that we should be doing. So please talk to your kids. If they're going to have a sleepover, if things are going to, if things even could come up, um, we try to avoid sleepovers as much as possible with our kids. Um, but if, you know, if they're going to go give them a warning, give them a talk, sit down, have a conversation that these, these activities could come up. What are they going to do? What is their plan? And that sort of a thing. Once people start engaging in paranormal activity, you might start having, again, shadow experiences, seeing shadow people. Um, you might experience, quote, unquote, like haunted house type experiences of doors closing, lights turning on and off, misplaced objects, unexplained noises. And you, you might even start, I've, I've interacted with people that, you know, once they start going down the paranormal path, that is often the doorway that opens them up to UFO experiences and alien abduction experiences. Often the paranormal is the, the on-ramp to that, but long-term exposure to these things can result in anxiety, paranormal or paranoia, um, mental instability. So these are all some, some things to be aware of and keep in mind. Number eight, unresolved anger, bitterness, and resentment. Now we're starting to get into like, you know, the, the, you know, all right, we're not, I'm not playing with Ouija boards. I'm not looking at my horoscope. Wait, what? Unresolved anger, bitterness, and resentment. So this is a lesser known, but I would say equally dangerous open door to the demonic. And this happens when we have unresolved anger, bitterness, withholding forgiveness from those who have wronged us. It is not uncommon for demons to um, sometimes even create a setup of, um, you know, bringing difficulty into a person's life and that difficulty may even occasionally be like a tragedy and then the seed of bitterness against the lord can be planted in in their heart you know where was god and just not being able to let that go um or bitterness against a person who wronged us or i've even worked with people that have bitterness toward themselves they they cannot forgive themselves and that kind of unresolved anger can become a foothold for the enemy. Uh, I've got uh, Ephesians chapter four, Bob's going to put it up on the screen for us. Uh, verses 26, 27, and 31. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger give no opportunity to the devil. And then scrolling down to verse 31, 
here is let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Anger and bitterness can be a real foothold for the enemy. He can get in there and start really mixing up our emotions and we can get in an offense with somebody and we want to hang on to it and we don't want to let it go until that other person does something. Second Corinthians chapter two says, anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything has been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. So notice that the, the connection between forgiveness and, and not being outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Now, bitterness can take many forms. One of the most common forms of bitterness that I see these days is what I call church hurt. There's a growing trend to, to drop out of church or to deconstruct because someone has been hurt by church people. Um, and maybe, and this is a horrible scenario, when the, the, the person who's hurt us, uh, who's a Christian, has been an abusive parent who took them to church every week as a child. Uh, maybe the person's had some bad run-ins with an unethical pastor um, or even a pastor who, who didn't meet their needs in a time of crisis. There are all kinds of reasons that people drop out of church. And I'm, I'm deeply sympathetic to these difficulties. I've had very bad hurts as a result of church leadership. I get it. I have had terrible church hurt. But when we allow that resentment and bitterness to come take up residence in our heart, in our emotions, and our soul, it can lead us into a very, very bad place. Um, and it can be used and capitalized uh, by demons to harass us and to make our lives even more miserable. There is a very good and healthy reason why Jesus commands us not to hang on to feelings of resentment against others. He says in Matthew 5, 44, um, to forgive others. Otherwise, we will not be forgiven. To be a Christian is to understand and to know that I need forgiveness. And so I want to extend grace to others. And um, it is hard. But if we are going to walk in all the freedom that Christ has available for us, we are going to have to let go or work through or get a therapist to work through, help us work through our bitterness, our resentments. Um, Jesus commands us to do these things whenever it's possible and seems appropriate and not unsafe. If we can go get resolution with the people, um, all of those things. But at the end of the day, we can't get to resolution forgiveness and letting that go. Because if we hang on to bitterness and resentment, 
it is a permission to the enemy to continue to harass us. And this, uh, this is painful. It leads to isolation. Isolation can lead to more problems and more harassment from the enemy. It is a spiral. So yes, bitterness, it's, it is an open door to the demonic. Number nine, lie-based thinking. Again, this is one that might not be on all of our radar, but it is a big one. Lie-based thinking. The enemy cannot make us do things, okay? But he is, demons are very good at using tricks, sort of like smoke and mirrors in the spirit realm to deceive us into believing lies. And then we can make some very terrible decisions sometimes life-destroying decisions based on those lies. And here's the tricky part. We often think that these lies are true. In fact, our emotions get behind them and our emotions tell us that they're true. And we've been tricked. We've been deceived into thinking that these things are true, but we act on them and we say hurtful things to other people because of these lies and it seems like they are true. It is, this is such a trap for many, many of us as Christians. In John chapter eight, and I think I have these verses for Bob to put on the screen. He said, uh, Jesus says, starting at verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. This is so powerful. The devil's native language is lies. He's a lying liar who lies all the time. And he wants to sell us on his lies. Okay. We believe he wants to sell us about lies about God, lies about other people, especially about our spouse, our children, our coworkers, the people who are closest to us. He wants to sell us lies about ourselves and believing in these lies can interfere and block us from living out God's plan for our lives. Um, one of the most common lies that I have seen the enemy hook people on, I'm just going to give one example, is the lie I can't. This is a great lie because it stops us before we even start something. We see, I see the I can't lie in operation in ministry all the time. When I'm trying to help train someone to do evangelism, the person will say, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not like that. I could never talk to somebody like that. When I'm trying to encourage someone to uh, step into a risk and start to exercise their spiritual gifts. Oh, I can't do that. I, I could never. When I'm trying to help someone get started with a daily Bible reading plan. Oh, I can't do that. I'm too busy. I can't find the time. Other versions of the, I can't lie. I've heard, you know, that those might include like, 
everything I touch turns out wrong. Everything I say is wrong or I'm a failure or I'm so stupid. This is all, it, it is a persistent belief in the, I can't lie. And it, it leads many times to this kind of self-pity victim mindset. It traps the person in so much in so much fear. And they actually are then choose to stay stuck because they truly believe and have been deceived by this. I can't lie. And it doesn't even seem like a choice to them. They just seem like they're just doing the natural thing of like, I can't do this. And so I'm going to choose to stay stuck, but it doesn't even seem like a choice because they have so bought in, in a deep level with all of their emotions that the, the, I can't lie to them seems like the truth. Um, another big lie that the enemy likes to sell Christians on that I've seen this so many times in ministry is what I call the God won't lie. Um, this lie used to really have a stronghold on me. It often sounds like God doesn't care. God won't help me. God won't forgive me again. God won't hear me. God doesn't love me. Okay. Believing these kinds of lies is so destructive to our relationship with God. And it can bring pain to our hearts where we feel abandoned by God. And again, these are all lies. <laughs> the enemy tricks us into believing these things. And when we, when we really truly give over ourselves to believing these lies, like I said, our emotions can become involved and it can have this cascading effect and impact where the demons are just bombarding us with these thoughts. And then we find ourselves repeating them as if they're true. And then we're believing them and then we're acting according to them as if they are true. What better way to destroy Christian marriages than to get us to believe lies about each other, about our spouses? I'll leave that there. You think that's a demonic scheme? I, I think that's a pretty common demonic scheme. All right. Number 10, trusting in good things for happiness and contentment. This is the thing is, this is my number 10, is that the enemy is so crafty that he can take almost any good thing in our life that we want to trust in for happiness and contentment more than trusting in the Holy Spirit for those things. The enemy is so tricky that he can turn almost any good thing into a problem if we let him, because we fall into his lies. And um, I, I think that this is an area where I just want to land you in all of this conversation is to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that has become an open door to demonic harassment? And if he shows you something and you're like, really that? This thing that I think is like a good thing in my life, that maybe this is what's tripping me up. On more than one occasion, the Lord has shown me something in my life that I thought was good. And I realized like, wow, it has turned into something that is, has become a problem for me. So I want to encourage you 
to get into a conversation with the Lord. I've given you a lot of ideas in this stream of the common ways that can open us up to demonic harassment. Now, there might be some of these ways that you heard and you're like, oh, I don't believe that. Not that. I've done that and it had no effect on me. Before you jump into that assumption, I want to encourage you to explore that with the Lord. Because when we jump into the assumption that something's had no effect on us, sometimes even that can be a scheme of the enemy. So I want to encourage you, go to the Holy Spirit, ask him to help you. It says in James chapter one, if we lack wisdom, the Lord will help us. He will give us wisdom. And so don't be so quick to assume that something's not a problem. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what could potentially be a problem. Okay. I'm going to put a bookmark there for now. And in the future, I will be putting together uh, a couple other teachings along these lines. I hope to do another top 10 of um, what demonic harassment looks like and some of the most common ways I've seen in ministry that how to know if you're being harassed by demons. And then, uh, you know, maybe later in the year, I'll do something on um, some basic steps to throwing out squatters, you know, how do we get some more freedom in our lives? If we have opened these doors, how can we close these doors and throw out the squatters? In the meantime, I really want to recommend the book. I should have had Bob pull this up ahead of time, but I, I forgot to have him do it. But um, check out and read Carl Payne's book, Spiritual Warfare. It is biblical. It is practical. It is clear and he's got a lot of scripture in it. I think the book will bless you. It'll clarify things. And it is a wonderful extension of the work that I have been doing in these teachings. I hope you found this helpful. I do look forward to your feedback. And again, I would commend to you Carl Payne's book for more details and some help in these areas. Good night and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening.